Welcome to PSQH, the podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of PSQH. On this episode, I talked to Tom Knight, CEO of Invistix, about drug diversion and the impact it has on hospitals. And now, on to the show. Hi, this is Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of PSQH. I'm joined today by Tom Knight, CEO of Invistix. How you doing, Tom? Doing well, Jay. Thanks for having me on. No problem. And I guess let's start off by... Uh, uh, having you explain, uh, you know, what Invistix does and uh, and sort of, uh, you know, sort of what you do for them. So, sure, Invistix is a software company, and we have software that detects when people steal medications from health facilities like hospitals. That's commonly called diversion, and our software is designed to allow a hospital or health facility to see if someone in that facility, like a nurse or a pharmacist or anesthesia provider is stealing any of those medications. And I'm the founder and CEO of Invistix. And what was your, your background before you started Invistix? Yeah, trained as an engineer. Uh, and, and then I started my career in supply chain management in a variety of manufacturing companies. And then about 20 years ago, I founded Invistix because I saw a lot of need for improved software and inventory management. And it was a 20-year journey that's led us to today and the ability to help our customers with our software. Great. And uh, I understand you've recently uh, commissioned a study about drug diversion. What were your uh, major findings? We did. We, we asked uh, several hundred people around the country, <clears throat> most of whom were working in hospitals, about their efforts and their experience with drug diversion. And there were a couple of major findings. I'm happy to share it. Uh, one that was a little surprising to us, uh, and I think it's indicative of the challenges in this field, is nine out of 10 people believe that their facility's drug diversion program is uh, the same as or better than other organizations. Uh, so we're all giving ourselves some credit, and yet 70% of the people who responded believe that most diversion that's happening is going undetected. So that's a powerful combination where we think we're as good as the rest of the country, but we believe that most diversion is going undetected. Uh, there were some other interesting uh, findings. Uh, one was that people filling out the survey are losing confidence that traditional methods that are out there for detecting diversion uh, are gonna be effective. Uh, we've asked these questions over the course of several years and we noticed that in the last two years, the percentage of people who said that those traditional methods are effective has dropped from 78% to 52%. So uh, nearly, nearly half feel that the tools they've been using, um, tools like automated dispensing cabinet reports, they're losing confidence in them, and they're instead uh, starting to look for alternative methods for detecting diversion. Um, percent of people said they felt machine learning software would be a more effective tool, and 84% thought advanced analytics solutions would be more effective. Um, so I guess, in general, why, why is drug diversion such a big problem for US hospitals? Um, well, it, it has been a problem for a long time. Uh, diversion of medications from hospitals has been happening really from the very beginning of some of these medications like morphine going back 100 years. Um, we're seeing that the current opioid epidemic um, ha has even led to increased diversion recently. Um, the, the biggest challenge is that the, the medications 
are there, people who access them every day have an opportunity to steal them, either for their own use uh, or to resell them. And uh, it's a big problem in U.S. hospitals, largely because it is so hard to detect. Uh, plus, there can be stigma associated with drug diversion. Um, hospitals that do find people who are stealing, uh, they're required uh, to report them to the right authorities like the nursing board or the, the DEA. Um, but sometimes hospitals would prefer to sweep that under the rug uh, instead of reporting it as they should. And, and that leads to that person maybe being fired at that first hospital, but then going across town or across state lines and doing diversion at other hospitals. So the reason it's so difficult, the reason it's a big problem is it's hard to detect and, and as, a, as a country, we haven't yet uh, got the right technology and the right reporting in place to avoid it from happening again and again. Um, and, and the culprit can be pretty much anybody who works in a facility, correct? Yeah, and, and I should say clearly, the vast majority of people working in hospitals are not diverting. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it's a small percentage. Um, and, and estimates range on what those percentages are. Uh, but, but you're right, anybody who's working in a hospital, if they want to, they can find a way to steal medications. And it's, it's not just nursing, it's people working in purchasing, people working in the pharmacy, uh, people in anesthesia care areas, um, really anybody. We've even had in ca cases where say uh, a custodian uh, or somebody that's just bringing in meal trays will find ways to steal medications. Um, and obviously, like, you know, you mentioned this has been going on for a while. Um, has there been any progress over the last several years in, in terms of, you know, uh, awareness? I mean, I, I certainly, have, you know, we've, we've written about it over the years, but, um, you know, have you, have you seen sort of uh, facilities making, making some headway on this problem? We are. We are seeing some leading facilities that are finding better ways to detect diversion, better ways to report it when they do detect it. Um, we were really fortunate uh, to collaborate with the National Institutes of Health starting a few years ago, uh, and they funded our efforts to, to test whether our software could detect diversion. And uh, that, that grant proposal was actually signed. We had letters of support from over 100 hospitals, uh, and we've had a chance now to work with dozens of them. Uh, and each time they're using these new technologies that was funded by this NIH research, they're finding um, their ability to detect diversion is much greater than the, what we had in the past. Um, there's also some leading organizations uh, developing systems on their own. Um, sadly, some of those, uh, happened because there was a large diversion event at that facility. Uh, but we were really happy to see that at least some leading health systems around the country are finding better ways to detect and prevent diversion. Um, is one of the, you know, you mentioned it, it's hard to detect, like, is it uh, also a case that there are more, it's being reported more, uh, more often now than it used to be? Like it maybe had been going on, but um, you know, the facilities hadn't been aware of it. Yeah, we, we really see two challenges. The first, and you mentioned them both. Detecting the diversion is a challenge, particularly when people are actively trying to cover their tracks, as we say, you know, entering falsified records, 
that they gave medications to their patients when instead they pocketed them. So that's a challenge. Um, uh, we are seeing the technology improving so that we can detect things more effectively. Um, and then the second piece that you mentioned is the reporting piece. And it's so essential that health systems, hospitals report people that they found to be diverting. Um, often that person um, is using those medications. They might be addicted or have substance use disorder. And the sooner that they can be reported to say a board of nursing or a board of pharmacy, a lot of those organizations have uh, recovery services available to help that person with their addiction, help that person overcome their substance use disorder, get the help they need, and then maybe come back and practice medicine. So we are seeing progress in both areas. I've mentioned the improvements in detection. Uh, we are starting to see more organizations realizing that reporting of detection that's been detected is essential. Um, there's been some really sad cases uh, that have gotten a lot of press across the country where hospitals failed to report somebody and then they went across town and did it again and that pattern repeated at, at multiple health systems. Um, and, and the really tragic cases are cases where those people were not only diverting medications, but they were actually injuring their patients along the way. Um, cases where they were infected, say, with hepatitis C, right. they were injecting the needles into their own arm, uh, replacing that with water, and then that would get infected into their patient, infecting their patient with hepatitis C. So uh, what we're finding is over time, we are seeing more organizations reporting because uh, they know if they don't report that person, then that person could just go across town and hurt some other patients. Uh, but we're still seeing too many uh, health systems hesitant to report. So we're trying to raise awareness of the need for both better detection and better reporting. And I think you mentioned it earlier, but I imagine part of that is just it's bad publicity. You know, if, if you know if it gets out that you know you've got somebody diverting medications and endangering patients in your facility, then that's that doesn't you know uh, bode well for your uh, your public image. It's true. It's true. Um, but we're we're seeing some progressive health systems, you know, CEOs are stepping up and saying, this is a patient safety issue. We're going to proactively try and detect it if it's happening in our facilities, and we will report everything that we detect. And uh, and they're doing that because they know it's better to be proactive on patient safety issues like this uh, than to wait till you have a problem and you wind up in the local newspaper or on the local TV. Absolutely. Um, so. If you're a hospital that wants to either revise their um, drug diversion program or or start one, what what should they do to uh, to get that underway? Mm -hmm. um, well, first off, we say leadership matters. Uh, you need executive sponsorship, whether it's the CEO's office or some folks in the C-suite. Um, they need to have uh, at least one resource that's going to lead the effort and coordinate it because it is a cross-departmental issue. Um, once you've got leadership and you've got at least one person named to lead the efforts, um, we have found there's fantastic best practices published that a hospital can uh, get for free to read and consume and learn from. Uh, those best practices include a lot of education of staff on the dangers of diversion and why you should be reporting things if you suspect diversion. Um, there's also very good best practices on how to investigate suspected diversion and how to report suspected diversion. Uh, these are organizations like uh, 
the National Association of Drug Diversion Investigators, uh, the International Healthcare Facility Diversion Association. There's a nonprofit I'm involved with called healthcarediversion.org. Um, and other organizations like the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, they've all published best practices in this area. And we recommend that hospitals study those, adopt those, and then make sure that their policies and procedures are compliant with those best practices. Um, and then the last piece is really day-to-day -day paying attention and detecting diversion as early as you can. Um, that's where the software for Invistics can help out because it basically monitors every time anybody touches medications in the facility and the computer can detect if any of those medications go missing or if any of the data has been entered in a way that's consistent with diversion, patterns of diversion that's seen elsewhere. Um, and it's not enough just to detect it, which is what our software helps with. Once you've detected potential diversion, you have to have a method to investigate it. The best practice is to use what's called a rapid response team, people who are trained in how to investigate diversion. Um, and then you have to adjudicate it. So they bring that evidence to some sort of group like a drug diversion oversight committee, again, with uh, leadership from the C-suite. And that group then weighs the evidence that was collected in the investigation and reaches the conclusion of whether diversion happened or not. And then the final step that I mentioned a few times already is once you do detect, uh, investigate, and adjudicate and confirm diversion happened, then you got to take that important step of reporting it to the right authorities, both at the local level, the state level, and the federal level. What are the penalties? Uh, you know, you mentioned taking it to the authorities. What are the penalties for drug diversion? Is that on? Is that a actual? You know, uh, is that a federal thing? Is that depend on where you're located? Um, great question. Um, if uh, your regulators, either at the federal or state or local level, find that you're not compliant with appropriate regulations, they can levy fines. Um, recently, at the federal level, the Drug Enforcement Administration, the DEA, has been levying multi-million dollar fines uh, on hospitals and health systems. Um, because if the DEA comes in after diversion has been discovered, and they conclude that you weren't doing what was required by the regulations, you know, you didn't have accurate records, you didn't report diversion in a timely basis to the DEA. If you haven't complied with the regulation, they will lay a million, multi-million dollar fine uh, on the hospital. Um, in fact, there's a trend. Each new fine they've issued, and sadly they've had to issue multiple fines every year, uh, but each new fine is a new record high. And, and I think they're intentionally uh, communicating to health system uh, leaders that they need to take diversion prevention seriously. They need to report things on a timely basis if they find it. Um, and they're going to uh, motivate the leadership to do the right thing through those fines. Um, but those aren't only the only courts, those aren't the only things that, that hospitals suffer. Uh, they can also be hit with state level fines. Like I'm in here in Georgia outside of Atlanta, and the State Board of Narcotics fined Emory Midtown Hospital when it discovered two pharmacy technicians had been stealing for years, a total of over a million doses. So you can get hit with fines at the state level. Um, and and, and uh, sadly, when patients are injured, as happens all too often, those patients will also uh, seek uh, uh, a settlement or, or a, a lawsuit that can also add up to a lot, a lot of dollars. So all of that combined is 
examples of the price you pay as a hospital if you haven't done the right thing to prevent diversion and and report diversion if you find it. Um, and you mentioned uh, machine learning technology, um, you know, is effective um, to detect drug diversion. How exactly does it work? Yeah. Uh, so what we've done is collaborated with dozens of hospitals around the country, and we've built a database of known patterns of diversion, you know, ways that people in their hospitals have stolen medications in the past. And then we've set up daily feeds uh, of all of the electronic transactions that are being entered, both in those hospitals and additional ones. And we've trained the computer using machine learning to recognize those known patterns of diversion. Um, so some of them are really easy to explain. It doesn't take a lot of high technology. You might have a nurse, for example, that removes two hydrocodone tablets from the locked cabinet called the automated dispensing cabinet. And um, that's an electronic transaction. We know the date, the time, and the nurse's name, and two tablets were dispensed. And then maybe three or four minutes later, the nurse administers those tablets to the patient, hands them to the patient, the patient consumes them. At that time, the same nurse will enter into the electronic medical record. I've administered two tablets of hydrocodone to my patient. Um, one of the very first things we taught the computer to do uh, was to consolidate the data from those two separate systems, the automated dispensing cabinet and the electronic medical record. And if the quantity dispensed two tablets was more than the quantity administered, plus anything else that might have been reported in terms of waste. If two tablets were dispensed and fewer than two tablets were administered, then the computer can detect that in the haystack of data that's coming to us every day. Um, that's an easy example we can all relate to. Um, but frankly, most people who are diverting, they know it's easy to detect them if they don't chart the administration of those two tablets. So they'll go in and they'll falsify the administration. They'll claim to have given their patient two tablets when in fact they only gave them one, or maybe they gave them none, uh, or maybe they gave them a tablet that looks like hydrocodone and might have similar things for symptoms like Benadryl, which could make the patient drowsy or not feel pain. Um, and what we've done is we've taught the machine to recognize those sorts of patterns as well, so that even if they were falsifying records claiming to have given the two tablets to their patient, the computer can see other things that could indicate that that nurse actually falsified the record. And, and some of those are fairly easy to describe, um, like if the nurse dispenses them at precisely noon on Friday, uh, and then at 15 seconds after noon, they found a way to go across the nursing station and uh, talk to the patient and administer the medications. Uh, the computer can see, well, there's no way you could have covered that much ground in 15 seconds, um, or even more nefarious efforts to cover up their tracks, uh, like nurses that will falsify pain scores. You've probably, Jay, had a nurse say what's your pain sure. on a scale of one to 10. Yeah. Uh, well, that the nurse enters that into the EMR at the time they ask the question and hear the answer. Um, and we've been able to train machine learning so that we can see that kind of data and the computer's able to start saying, hmm, these are strange patterns of administration times. These are strange patterns of pain score reports. Uh, that are consistent with the way other people in the past have conducted diversion. Um, do you have any idea um, how many hospitals are using this kind of technology right now, like percentage-wise? 
Uh, it's still a fairly small percentage. Uh, we're working with dozens across the country, but there's a lot of interest uh, by many, many other hospitals that we're talking to to adopt these new technologies. Um, but we, we still see most hospitals from these survey results have not yet transitioned from the older approaches that aren't very effective to some of these new approaches using machine learning that are quite effective. What were some of the older approaches that, that you found haven't been working? Yeah, yeah. There's an approach that's using data just from the automated dispensing cabinet. Um, these are uh, the machines where nurses will get the tablets and before administering to their patient. Um, and there's some pretty old-fashioned reports that people will run once a month, for example, and they'll say, show me all of the nurses that dispensed medication from this cabinet, and uh, show me those that dispensed a lot more than their peers, you know, two or three or four standard deviations more than the average nurse working in that same hospital. Um, and, and the problem with that approach, number one, it's pretty easy for someone who's diverting to not show up on those reports because they'll spread their diversion across a lot of different medications. They might all be opioids, but they're different types of opioids, hydromorphone, fentanyl, hydrocodone, um, codeine, morphine. And by spreading their diversion across, they won't show up on the report. So we call that a false negative. The report fails to detect that person diverting. Um, it, at the same time, most of the people who are listed on that report are not diverting. Uh, they're just people that maybe had a mix of patients that month that required a lot of pain medications. Uh, or maybe that nurse uh, did a lot of work in the oncology uh, area last month and a lot of their patients were in pain. They needed a lot of these kind of medications. So what we're doing is we're flagging somebody for dispensing a lot of medications just because their patients needed a lot of medications. Um, and we call that a false positive. That person's not diverting. They just happen to have a lot more medications dispensed that month than their peers. So long story short, those monthly reports, you will occasionally catch someone who's diverting. Uh, but sadly, it's usually someone who's been diverting a long, long time. Um, and their addiction, uh, their substance use disorder has grown to the point where they need a lot of those drugs uh, to avoid withdrawal symptoms and they're taking so many medications uh, through their diversion that they've lost the ability to effectively cover their tracks. Um, so those monthly reports might detect diversion, but sadly it's often many months, sometimes years, after somebody started diverting um, at the point where they're uh, really, really suffering from their substance use disorder and could really hurt their patients or themselves. So, uh, you know, for, organizations that are using those kind of older methods, do they almost have like a false sense of security? Like they, you know, every once in a while they'll catch somebody so they figure it's working? Yeah, that's what we see a lot. Um, and it, 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 it will, if all you're doing at a hospital level is looking at those monthly reports, um, um, that, that's better than nothing. And I would want to commend them for at least doing better than nothing. Sadly, some hospitals are still not even looking at those monthly reports. Um, but if all you're doing is looking at the monthly reports, um, you're likely not detecting a lot of the diversion that's happening, uh, and you're probably wasting your time investigating people who are not diverting. Um, and obviously, you know, we've been mired in uh, the coronavirus uh, pandemic for the last several months. Um, 
how has that contributed to the problem of drug diversion? Is it is it kind of uh, with all so many resources focused on COVID, um, are some hospitals maybe not paying as close attention to you know the diversion of uh, medications? Yeah, with COVID nineteen, we we do expect that the rate of drug diversion is up. Uh, we don't yet have the hard evidence to back that up. We'll have to wait to see if data tells us. Uh, but we do suspect the version is up uh, for three reasons, actually, all related to COVID-19. Uh, number one, we're seeing diversion has broadened to medications and supplies that typically aren't diverted, but that are precious right now. Um, so, for example, there was a case in Indiana uh, where two people stole morphine from a hospital and while they were in there stealing that morphine, they also stole a bunch of protective personal equipment, PPEs, and they stole uh, medications um, and cleaning supplies associated with COVID-19. So basically the theft of the typical medications like morphine is happening, and they're finding that stealing these precious items for COVID-19 uh, are leading to diversion of things that hadn't been diverted in the past. Um, the second reason we think diversion is up because of COVID-19 is we're seeing a lot of people traveling to other locations. So we saw a lot of people volunteer to go to hotspots like New York, and the vast majority of those people are heroes. I want to commend them for volunteering to be on the front line in our country's fight against COVID-19. Um, but we do suspect that at least some of those folks um, are going to be diverting in areas that are really, really slammed by the patient load. Um, th those are going to be hospitals where it's hard for them to keep the resources focused on diversion. Um, and so we do suspect that in areas that are accepting people who are traveling to their facility, even though the vast majority of those people are not diverting, some of them will probably take advantage of the chaos um, to divert that otherwise wouldn't be diverting. And then um, empathetically, the third reason that we suspect diversion will be up in this period you know, we're all under a lot of stress right now uh, with all of the challenges from the pandemic and the economic circumstances and, and all the other things that are leading to high stress. And we're seeing reports that mental health issues are going up uh, for us as a nation. And we do know that mental health issues correlates with substance abuse. And we would expect the people who are feeling that anxiety and that stress are going to be diverting that otherwise in normal circumstances might not be diverting for self-use. So uh, we'll have to let the data tell us um, on whether diversion has gone up, but we do suspect once the data comes in, we're going to see a sharp rise in diversion during this period. Hmm. Can more be done um, from a background check uh, standpoint, you know, to identify folks who might have a, either a history of of drug diversion or you know substance abuse, is that something that can be improved for uh, for I hospitals? Think, I think so. Yeah, um, there are mechanisms that we encourage all health systems to always follow, um, and it's particularly important when you're hiring a new employee. Um, and and uh, most of the people that uh, are being hired are licensed, typically at the state level, like a state board of pharmacy or state board of nursing. A state medical board. Um, and if someone has been found to be diverting in the past and their employer did the right thing and reported them, and that licensure board reviewed the evidence and reached the conclusion diversion happened, 
there are ways for you as a potential new hire or new employer to see that in their professional records. So definitely check those databases, uh, like the nurses database from the National Association of State Boards of Nursing. Um, sadly, not every diversion incident is going to be in there. Um, so you, you do have to do a bit of homework. Um, what we have found is, you know, contacting prior employers may or may not give you the information you need. Um, but clearly check the databases that are there, check the professional references, check with the state licensure boards where they've been registered. Um, because it's, it's uh, all too often uh, someone will be hired uh, and the employer didn't take those steps and they could have known of the issue. Um, the other thing I'll say is there are mechanisms if someone has been diverting, um, whether they realize they have a problem and they go to recovery on their own, which is wonderful when it happens, or if they're caught diverting uh, and they choose to enter recovery. Uh, we're really promoting that as a path. That's what we'd love healthcare workers to do who have a substance use disorder. Because um, what we would hope is they go through recovery, they can uh, manage their substance use disorder, um, and then they can come back and practice medicine. And they might practice medicine in a different way. Like we see wonderful examples of nurses that say, hey, I don't want to be around these medications every day. It's too much of a temptation. But there's plenty of ways to be a nurse where you're not around the medications, like a, a call-in nurse or a nurse in a primary care physician's office where the medications aren't stored. So uh, the reason I mention this is even though we want employers to always check on whether someone has uh, been found to have been diverting in the past, we also want employers to know we might have some people who have gone through recovery and they can practice medicine quite effectively while they're still in recovery as long as they're not in the positions where they might relapse and begin diverting again. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about, you mentioned it earlier, um, the healthcare diversion network. Um, how does that work uh, in terms of, you know, the reporting aspects and, and you know, your, and your involvement in it? Yeah, uh, the Healthcare Diversion Network has a website. I encourage your listeners to go visit it. It's healthcarediversion.org. And we're a 503C nonprofit. Uh, we're what we call a public-private partnership. Uh, and I founded that nonprofit after talking with a lot of people around the country who were either in private enterprise, like hospitals that were trying to reduce diversion, or they were in public groups. Um, like federal groups, like the Centers for Disease Control or the National Institutes of Health or the DEA, or public groups at the state level, like boards of pharmacy, boards of nursing, and so on. And we felt that we needed a public-private partnership so we could bring all the stakeholders to the table who collectively need to make changes to reduce diversion. And uh, we founded it just over a year ago, May 1st of 2019, and we've already had some great success getting into our advisory board representatives from many of the organizations that I mentioned. Um, and we're now sharing best practices and laying out how could we as a country, both our private organizations and our public regulators, how can we do a better job collectively at reducing drug diversion? Um, part of our mission is to share best practices, like I mentioned earlier, so it's easy to know how to do the right thing. Um, part of it is to motivate more reporting of diversion. 
um, I mentioned the stigma that's associated with diversion happening. Uh, what we're doing is we're compiling a database of all known diversion cases in the country, or at least as many we can put in the database as we can. Um, so the, on a map, you can pull it up right on our website today if you go to our incidents section. You can see a pin on the map at every hospital, every healthcare facility where diversion has been reported. Um, and you can drill down and see what were the circumstances. Was a patient injured there? Uh, was a patient killed there? Um, was there a DEA fine there? And so on. And, and our, our motivation here is to let everybody know this is happening everywhere. And we shouldn't feel stigma if we step up and say, we're gonna take steps in our hospital to prevent diversion and we will definitely report it because it's the right thing to do for our patients, it's the right thing to do for our colleague, it's the right thing to do for our organization. Um, and our motivation is by having best practices out there and making it obvious that it's happening when it's happening and it's happening often, that we're gonna motivate behavior changes so that leaders of health organizations uh, invest in protecting our patients and preventing diversion and that they do the right thing and report it when it's detected. All right, well, Tom, I wanna to thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. This was uh, very informational. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Jay, and thanks to you and your efforts to improve patient safety. All right, thanks. And that wraps up episode eight of PSQH, the podcast. Thanks for listening and hope you join me next time. You can find more information about the podcast and listen to on-demand episodes on the show's page on psqh.com. You can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. Thanks again and stay safe.